Hey everybody, welcome to Dad's Class. My name is Devin Pierce, and I just wanted to get ahead of today's episode because I failed to push a button when we were doing our recording, so some of the video isn't quite up to snuff, and possibly some of the audio at the beginning of this recording may also have some slight issues. Sorry about that, guys. I caught it about halfway through the stream, and I made sure that I corrected it from that point onward. So the back end of this podcast should look and sound as per normal. Welcome to Dad's class. Welcome to the podcast where I, Devin Pierce, bring you the tools of my toolbox. So whether you are a parent, going to be one, or just adulting, It's my goal to help you be better equipped for the great adventure of life. Welcome to Dad's Class. We are live on Mixer. It is 5.02 p.m. on April 1st, 2020. And today is a very special day for you guys. I have a guest for the show. But first, how are you folks? I hope everyone is doing well. It's been a bit crazy here on our home front with the homeschooling, uh, adjusting to the online program that our kids are using has been the big kicker. Um, still not quite comfortable with that. Uh, we took a break from it all last Friday. We went for a nice walk. We had a snowball fight. Mostly it was just my kids throwing snowballs at me. And then we came home and we made art on our patio windows and turned our hallway into a slip and slide and that was uh, quite entertaining if you guys want to check out some little video snippets from that i have uh one up on my personal tiktok and my spouse has one up on hers it's uh quite comical i do believe i shared one to the dad's class facebook story as well over the weekend and uh, Miles here is from Platinum Tree Financial. How are you today, Miles? What have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, I'm great today. Um, what have I been up to since we last spoke? Well, today was launch day for the, web, the new website, which was just happened to be a coincidence that, you know, we got it done at the wire last night. I think I was working on the, with the web designer even probably till about midnight. Um, that's a that's kind of a big a big step. So, yeah, I've also got uh, my colleague Adrian Belcourt. He's also part of Platinum Tree Financial. It's actually his company. Um, he's on the line with us today. Uh, Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself? I'd be delighted. First of all, I want to say to Devin, he's having way way more fun with snowball fights and wall art than I am during this little pandemic. So good for you. I'm sure kids are loving that. But. Yeah, thanks a lot, Devin, for having us on your on your show and uh, hoping that we can offer a lot of insight and direction or at least pause for thought from uh, from your listeners. And uh, we're glad to be here. So thanks for having us. Awesome. I was, you know, my background's nice and pretty, but I was really hoping to have a new one up today for you guys. But with the situation going on, um, my youngest is uh, severely asthmatic, so we've been on complete lockdown in our house. So I haven't gone to get said background because I'm not 
his doctor was like, if you don't have to leave your house, don't. And if somebody does, tell them they can't come back. So that was a, a fun conversation that we had this morning. All right. So since the last class here on the podcast, which was back on March 25th, where I helped share out various resources that Alberta Health Services Mental Health Division has made available for people during this pandemic. Um, there's a lot of little things about helping you deal with stress and especially helping deal with the stress of parenting now that everybody has to spend all day together. And a little bit on helping your kids understand what's going on in the world. So if you haven't checked that out, guys, go check that out. I feel like it came across pretty well, but, you know, i got to toot my own horn. Uh, the website blog was shared by the Geocaching Bloggers Guild. Uh, specifically, they shared the blog I made about looking at the positives of today's ongoing situation. The Facebook page has a quick post about using this time with your kids to organize things like art supplies. Or if you have a garage or a shed, good time to get into that, start digging through everything. If you're like me, you have about 600 things of screws. Not all of them are the same size in each bucket. You just have yourself an activity there. And then yesterday was Tuesday, so we had a Top 5 Tuesday, and we talked about trying to inspire you guys with fun ways to wake your kids up in the morning. If you haven't gone and checked those out, it's quick, it's easy, and it's just good for a little chuckle. I gotta check that out. I don't have kids, so see if I can add something to that list. It is, uh, it's fun. All right, so today's class, uh, before we get into today's class, I just want to take a quick moment of everybody's time, as I'm going to probably do every week, guys, so I'm sorry for annoying you, but that's just kind of how it works. We have our ongoing Extra Life fundraiser. All the finances raised by that fundraiser go towards the Edmonton Tolerate Children's Hospital, so if you have a moment in your time, you have some bottles you're going to take in. If you're allowed to take in bottles, I hadn't thought about that. Are you allowed to take in bottles right now? Maintain your social distancing. They were canceled today or yesterday. Maybe when this is all over, take your bottles in. Some of you might have an excess amount of bottles after this is all over with. And uh, donate that to a good cause. Send the money over to the Edmonton Stoller Children's Hospital by supporting our Extra Life fundraiser. Links, of course, are in the descriptions of everything. Even if you can't donate something, I would appreciate if you guys follow through on those links and then share them out to the world. Because maybe there's someone who isn't listening to the podcast that would love to help support a wonderful cause. Times like now are the perfect times to be helping uplift others. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking more with Miles on the topic of wealth. Um... Help me out with a Miles helped me out with a top five Tuesday about a week or so ago. And Miles, you really brought home the idea that there is more to wealth than the money you make or save. So let's let's kick it off with that. What is the difference between a wealth portfolio and a financial one? Well, that's a great question. Um, so my, my perspective is that a financial portfolio 
is things that you can quantify and add together, like RSPs, TFSAs, income and cash flow. And the wealth component is more that end result of spending time with family or whatever goals you set out to accomplish, whether that be giving to charities, traveling, putting kids through school, and the, the, the activities where it's really hard to measure the impact directly through like just, you know, like a spreadsheet. Uh, a great example is, is um, they were talking about the value of education. And if you put a kid through grade 10 through grade 12, or grade one through grade 12, and like then they go to college and then they go and become a doctor of how much time they spend in school and then how much value they add to the world because they can go out and save lives. Whether that's, or, or same thing is true with engineers. And that's sort of where wealth comes from. It's how you provide for others and create a legacy that, uh, you know, because I guess the best way to put it is that wealth is the journey, not the destination. Cool. It's, um, it's an interestingly like deep description of such things for I, because people get stuck on this idea of what finances is versus wealth. And so it's kind of interesting to hear exactly from someone who works in that industry, how to look at it differently, because you have that independent uh, viewpoint on it. You know? So a lot of what you're saying does make sense. Um, but so there's you, there's financial advisors such as yourself and all over the world. But what is it exactly that you guys are doing? So collectively, we have to look at it sort of from two sides of a coin. There is, if I'm going to sit with you and we're going to do the fun stuff, right? We're going to help you plan for, and I'm just going to take one specific target. And it's, we're going to plan for our children's education. Because... If that's, if that's our target, then we have to come up with a framework to get there and make it work with the other things you're trying to accomplish. So even though you'll have 10 things you want to accomplish, it's we're going to itemize each individual one. We're going to find a way to attack them and to get there as fast as possible through sometimes it'll be saving. Sometimes they'll be using other methods like, you know, if you're using RESP and accessing grant money or scholarships, if you're planning on including your kids in, you know, your wealth discussion at a young age and they're going to get a job and you're going to say, maybe help them to, excuse me, sorry. You're going to help them learn about money so they can get a summer job when they're 16, 17 to sort of get that first year's tuition or whatever, you know, the goals you're trying to create in your family. But there's the other half of that coin is that we have to, we have to put in a little bit of risk management to make sure that if something happens, we're still going to hit most of these targets. Now I'm going to use the current situation as a great example of it is better to have an ounce of prevention than a pound of the, the cure. Because right now we're watching government, the economy, the market, everything, everyone's trying to figure out what to do next. And there are a handful of people that maybe were prepared with specific strategies that would have worked out in, in this type of environment. 
then there's probably a group of people that had sort of like, well, if I don't, if I don't go to work, I've got savings or some other tool. And so we have to look at it from those, those two angles directly is what happens if something goes wrong? And let's just hope that nothing goes wrong and everything goes right. But that having that contingency for the what if is kind of where we focus that early stage when it's a tough discussion about what happens if, and I'm going to use you right now, close your eyes for a second, Devin. Okay, eyes are closed. All right. So what happens tomorrow if you wake up and you can't see? What is the one thing that you wanted to have seen or done today? Oh. That's an interesting question. Um, well, I'm going to regret not learning Braille. <laughs> the, um, see, that's an imp- in this case, that's sort of an impractical, you know, preparedness. Yeah. The chance of you going blind and needing to learn Braille in advance is low. But maybe... American Sign Language. That's something you might you might use if you were deaf or mute. But mm-hmm. there's so in the financial world, we plan for these things a little bit differently because there are there's a whole gamut of probabilities that you know perchance of this happening is that. We kind of you know take a big picture at. I mean, we were both scaffolders for a while. Yeah, and scaffolding is considered a high risk thing because you're working at heights and all these other variables, working at gas plants, and and you get kind of you know, put into one bucket. If you're a doctor and you're a surgeon, then you need to protect your financial future differently because what happens if you break a hand and you're off work for a year and you can't, you know, perform surgery again? Like mm-hmm. We have to kind of balance that need to each individual situation. All right. So for... People who are listening to this podcast, watching it on the YouTube replay, or however they come about it later after today's live recording, what is it like uh, when when we were bouncing back and forth? You had mentioned finding a true mission statement, right? And so, how do we start that journey to find this true mission statement? Oh, that's a good question. I think Adrian, with his Wisdom of the field could probably weigh in on that one. I'd be happy to. Um, Devin, another great question. I want to comment on Miles's uh, response, which I thought was really, really appropriate. One of the things that when, when you asked the question, Devin, what is it that we at Platinum Tree do? We, we would use a word that's occasionally overused, but um, maybe less so utilized or applied, is a holistic approach to financial and wealth creation. Um, I always talk about, as Miles has suggested, if the intention is to hit a quality of life at a certain retirement age, um, what are all the things that can interfere with that? that? That to me is the first order of business and that's kind of how we move forward with our clients and it's, it's a process and a, and a kind of track to run on for our advisors. So we start with risk management and then we move to more fun stuff that Miles specializes in, which is the highly technical investment and advanced investment strategies. Um, but um, to the to the next question, um, which I if you could repeat it again, Devin, because I, I clipped out and I just want to make sure I got it right. So just in our conversations, Miles and I had talked about uh, finding the true mission statement, 
to kind of pick your target when you're starting to plan out your finances and figure out what you're doing. So I'm just kind of curious what the first steps are towards finding your true mission statement and, you know, those first steps towards taking a journey with a financial advisor. Okay, so that, and that's kind of what I thought you would ask. And the, the first answer, the first answer that comes to mind, oddly enough, is it doesn't matter what you plan on, you're probably going to miss it. Meaning, uh, will you have articulated clearly exactly what you want, what it's going to look like, how you're going to get there? Probably not. But maybe to the point, we're going to try to identify what are you know the fundamental goals, what are, what are the things we're trying to accomplish. Let's set those out there. And as I indicated earlier. Then we begin to discuss what are the things that can interfere with getting there, right? What are, what are those uncontrollable events? Because we look at the world from two perspectives. There's the uncontrollable events, things that we cannot predict or uh, manage. And then how do we respond to that? And then those controllable events. And the controllable events is, well, assuming everybody's healthy and we're all contributing to our retirement plans, we can set up an RESP program. We can set up... Uh, uh, an emergency cash flow program, we can set up a retirement plan, all those things we can control, but things we can't control, those are the things that tend to undermine and, and become that, that fulcrum point, that inflection point of either a really great retirement and experience or not so much. And so to answer the question is how do we establish the vision, we, we just sit back and say, what does it look like? What's, what's your end in mind to as a Stephen Covey reference? What does it look like at the end? Where, where you know, Who's in the room with you? What are the conversations you're having? Uh, what are the opportunities and experiences that you've had? What are you giving back to those beside you and you know, beyond your current experience? And, and that becomes a, a nice kind of a legacy discussion to say, you know, what does this look like for you? And then we kind of engineered a little bit backwards. Um, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's kind of how we do it. I'd like to actually like build fun. on that a little bit. So one of the things that I do in my process is really good discovery up front. So if you say, I want to pay for my kid's education, and I'm just going to use that one all, as my example for this whole, for this whole interview. You, you like that one. Then, I've noticed. Hey, it's a dad's channel. You got to yeah. work with, you got to work with the product. But it's, if you say, I want to pay for my kid's education, I'm going to come back to you with a question and be like, well, why don't we show the kids how to pay for their own education? And we, we give them the education on how to self-fund and bring them into that conversation as early as possible so they understand the value of what they're getting with education of financial literacy and education and financial empowerment and that age of understanding so that when they go to school, they are really invested because they put they have a stake. They put some money in because if we show a kid how to fish rather than just giving them the free education – they're going to put so much higher value on that and they're going to realize that, you know what, I'm not going to take basket weaving. I'm going to take a business course, even though I don't think I need an economics course or a business course. I think it's a good tool to have in the future. Like yeah. Right now, I think coding is considered a second language. Cell phones are considered a drug. So we have to really think about that positioning. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's uh, the bring in the teaching someone to fish analogy, and that definitely rings true for a lot of people, and how a lot of people feel towards things, but they don't necessarily follow through on that. You know, people talk about it, but they don't necessarily do that. So that and that seems to me like a nice 
nice segue for our next little comment here, Miles, from our show notes is, you know, what are some of the common challenges that arise in your work? Oh, this one's, this one, I can talk about this for a long time. And I think biggest ones, financial services is a very complicated industry because you've got market, economy, stock market, and all this jargon. But realistically speaking, it comes down to you meet with an advisor, they listen to you and they figure out what you need to solve your problems and to avoid, you know, potential problems. And then you dial that down and be like, okay, like we can, cause we can't do everything all at once. A lot of this is incremental. We're going to spend a little bit of time up front, sort of getting on the road, and, you know, piecing it together. Cause sometimes and this is kind of leads into my, my second one on this line is that a lot of times it's debt that kind of is in the way of, well, we've got, we'd love to start saving for retirement, but we've got all this debt, whether it be mortgage, credit card, or car. And so I like looking at that sort of stuff and see if there's a way we can maybe make it more efficient. You know, can we borrow against, like, depending on what the situation is, we got to really see if what tools we already have in place that we can use. Because I read a statistic, I'm not going to try to quote it, but the majority of Canadians don't utilize financial advisors to their full capacity. Like right now, they should be calling them and being like, hey, what can we do? How can I do this? Like, you know, because some people are going to be further along their financial journey and will have assets that maybe it makes sense to use in this crisis to get more assets. Like the ultra wealthy they're probably sitting there thinking, you know what, After the, as this crisis plays out, I'm going to buy more stocks or, you know what, maybe I'll buy more real estate or I'll buy something because they have the money. And the people on the other end of the spectrum, they're just trying to figure out how to keep their house. Yeah. And we got to, like, I got to work with each individual client because I could say, well, you know, the market's correcting, we should buy more stock or mutual funds or, you know, RSPs or whatever, whatever, whatever fits the client. But if it doesn't make sense because, you know, we do this and then tomorrow they can't make their car payments, but that's, that's reckless of me. And I would never put a client in a situation where they have to make a choice between this and that. It's always, okay, how much disposable surplus money do we have? I also spend a lot of time trying to find that surplus money through uh, working with any number of um, partnerships I have, whether it be formal relationships with credit counseling services or just saying, hey, we, it's, and it's so hard to give a generic, oh, well, every client does this because every client is so unique. And that's why I just spend so much time in Discover trying to figure out what's the first thing we can tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe uh, in our show notes here, you had mentioned how a lot of your first early time is establishing a smaller meetings to flush out the big long-term projects and then also as a progress checker to make sure that you're being kept accountable to the goals that you set out with your clients. Oh yeah, that's huge. I think that inside the industry, there's no real good metric to measure a financial advisor because the, I'm going to, and I'm going to say that a lot of financial advisors don't want to say, well, how much money do you want to have in your portfolio in five years as a, as like a, a hurdle or as like, Hey, if I don't hit, if I miss this, I'm doing a bad job. And to me, I think that that is super empowering. So I can go to my client and say like, we are, we're not on target and we figured out why there's a lot more time to take that 
really good data of, okay, well, you know, we, we thought we were going to get to here, this is what we modeled out, but you know what, you had that incident, we had to use some of this money, so we're a little bit off target. And it's not because I'm trying to cover my, my end, it's that if, if you're accountable, that, you know, if I sit with you in the first meeting, be like, how many millions of dollars do you want to have in retirement? And you said to me one, I say, why not two? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it, it's no different than uh, intermediate uh, achievements in, say, a video game, where you get some, um, the game I play most commonly has achievements that the game itself tracks that build up to the ones that the Xbox tracks. So in, in just to make it make sense in my own head, it's like you sit down, you plan, okay, I want to get this achievement, and then here's our baby steps, and we can see our progress towards our goal because, oh, we've checked off this box, we've checked off that box, we've checked off this box. And I like that this is something that I've heard come out of your mouth quite frequently as we've been talking. Um, it it's, gives me the confidence in you as both a professional and as a person. And I think that really speaks volumes to the types of services that people should be looking for in your industry. You kind of hit on this already, but as you said, we used to be breaking bread over the same lunchroom trailers uh, when we both worked in the scaffolding industry. So where, where, how did you go from smashing things with a hammer to flushing out financial portfolios? A lot of little steps. It wasn't something I had, it was, it wasn't like one day I got up and be like, I'm going to be a financial advisor tomorrow. Um, so well back before I even bought my first house, I had, um, a fairly large portfolio and was stock trading and then sort of fast forward, sold the portfolio, bought a house, bought a second house, sold the first, sold the second house, kind of, you know, those assets. So it was a lot of these little things I've been doing in the background of my personal life, being in a condo board and having, uh, we went through a $5 million reconstruction here where I picked up a bunch of other skills. And I just seen a huge need for people to have access to a service that, and this is one of those really interesting misconceptions is that there are sort of financial advisors at the bank. There are financial advisors at the insurance companies. There's the independent. There's a lot of people out in this space. There's a few different um, designations you can get depending on what you want to specialize in. And sometimes when those advisors are working for you, they are actually limited by what advice they can give because of their relationship with whatever firm they represent. So one mm -hmm. of the things we've done at Platinum Tree is we have built our, we have a really wide product shelf that we can access because we are an independent broker of financial services. So if I need to use a specific tool for you, or a specialized product, I can. Or if you're at, um, and I guess maybe I should put this in Adrian's uh, court for a second because he's kind of the one who's architecting that. But it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave this to Adrian. He's kind of got the wherewithal of it. Well, I, Devin, I'll comment this way and I'll say, your, I think your question to begin with was something to the effect of, you know, what, what are the missing pieces? What's the misconception? Where, where do people generally fall down? I think it's a, I could be concise and say, 
um, maybe a misunderstanding of how the industry works and assuming that the local tier one bank is there to financially advise you. Um, but, but the reality is that, that as, as Miles had indicated, that's a very narrow conversation from their perspective. For legislative reasons, there's conversations they simply cannot have. And, and maybe to that point, a very wide series of conversations that they cannot have. And so the, the number one misconception is that banks are the, the, the first stop and the last stop on the only stop. And I think for the average um, Canadian out there, um, the moment you take that blinder off and say, you know what, I, I, I think there's a value in going to independent, doing a little shopping, you know, talking to your bank advisor, talking to a, maybe a what we call a captive sales organization, whether it's a Sunlight or a investors group or a Freedom or a Edward Jones, they've got a narrow shelf that's specific to the, 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 um, the company that, that they represent. And then talk to a, a broker, uh, an agent like our organization, and then find you know the sweet spot if there is such a thing for each three of them, or find somebody who you believe is going to bring all the value, um, rather than just assuming that you made a trip to the local bank, um, which they do a fabulous job of what they do, but there's much much more to it. So I think that would be the simple answer to that question: is where do, where do we fall down? Is lack of perception of what's available in the marketplace. Number two. The inherent value. I, I have a philosophy that we should have coaches in all parts of our life, whether that's uh, a fitness coach or a financial coach or a health coach or a, an emotional psychological coach. I think those are all very important pieces to a puzzle if we want to have the best experience while we're here. And so from my perspective, just embracing that, that reality that, you know, I can do this by myself. And maybe that's the right way for you. Some, some clients out there are fully engaged in the process. They just need a little direction. Maybe they need to place a business through somebody like ourselves. But really, they wanted to self-manage. Um, Miles would be a good example of that. that. Him coming into our firm as a client would be almost a waste of time because he spends more hours on the technical things, and we'd slow him down. So he's not a really great fit for the kind of work that we do. Um, but we certainly can give him other pieces to the overall puzzle that he would not be able to um, put in place. And so the ability to, to recognize that there's, there's much, much more out there. And then secondly, that a coach adds that to, to the point you two gentlemen made, a, a discipline, an ongoing, structured, disciplined approach, because you don't, you don't run a marathon in the Olympics in the first week of, the, of, of your training, and you don't retire with a million dollars in the bank in the first week of your investment. Those, those are incremental. There's, there's small steps, but over time, those small steps produce uh, outstanding uh, outcomes. Awesome. So, Miles, you, you saw this little bit of a void and how there was potential there. What was the part that made you decide that you were going to fill that void for yourself? I just seen that there was a lot of there's just a huge amount of space between sort of the and I'm going to say you got your middle class. I'm just going to use Mises classes because it sort of works. Uh, the middle class who can use financial advice and services, but maybe don't know who to talk to because they are spend time in oil and gas. Or you know they have lifestyle adverse choices, and I because I understand 
sort of there's a huge amount of people that maybe would love to get started on the journey, but just don't have don't don't know where to do that first step. And a lot of it is, is I've made, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. I've made a lot of um, financial decisions which had unintended consequences. Um, one of the things is is that I, I'm gonna use the uh, the condo reconstruction as a huge opportunity to talk about this because I bought a property. It uh, was brand new, bought it from the developer. A few years later, we had to make some repairs and I spent probably as much as I would have spent in a, on a college university making repairs to a building that um, I owned just so that I could continue owning it. And so if you put that in perspective of a house, I mean, I spent about 25% of the value of the house making sure that it still had walls. And yeah. Uh, you were going through that when we were working together. You're still dealing with Yeah, that. well, I mean, we went through that for about five years. Yeah. So one of the issues I have there is that um, I kind of seen that even though I did all of my due diligence, I went, you know, my parents looked through the unit where, you know, like all these things came together. And it's like, yeah, this is the place I'd like to stay. It went bad. And so that's sort of sort of how I got into this idea of, right, I don't want to have any direct risk. I want to make sure that if I'm doing something and I say, this one I'm going to go to saving for retirement, I have some of the key components there. And so I'll talk a little bit about some of the risk management I use is that I have a critical illness policy. So if I'm unable to go to work for any reason, I can lean into a, into a business and they will give me some money so that I can continue, you know, paying my mortgage and doing all those things while I have time to heal. And that's one of the reasons why I got drawn to risk management and investments collectively is because if we take every dollar you have and invest it, you end up in a crisis with a very small crisis fund. And every dollar we take out of that is a dollar that comes out of whatever that fund was intended for mm-hmm. education, retirement, property, I mean, any of them of, any number of targets. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are feeling, are really feeling it right now. It's like, where do I go for money? How long is this going to last? And, you know, when do I go back to work? And I mean, like we're seeing it right now that we've been logged, but in self-isolation, slow economy for uh, about two weeks, Italy, they've been there about a month and they're, they're getting into some civil unrest issues. And I, think that we could be stuck in the self-isolation slow economy most of the spring into the summer. I've heard numbers, 12 months to 18 months. I don't want to say that we won't get back to work for a year and a half, but I think that whatever we do now really is important because if you're going to, if you're drawing at your RSPs, because the only thing you've got that has, has a dollar sign on it. Well, maybe you talk, maybe you talk to a financial advisor first and maybe they can find a way for you to, make more from what you have stretch out. Like maybe there's another solution that you're unaware of. Oh, for sure. And that that is definitely one thing I've learned in talking to different financial advisors. Every time I talk to somebody, whether it's you or uh, the guy I used to deal with or the guy I'm currently dealing with, I always learn something new. And that's kind of a cool, cool aspect of it. There's definitely this broad range of strokes that a person can get involved with. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I joined a I joined this small team is because it's like I don't have to duplicate someone else's skill set. I can I can literally take whatever problem we're working on to somebody else inside the building. We can work through the problems. 
Um, if we can't, we will reach out to partners. Like right now, uh, I talked to um, a mortgage broker that I refer business. We have a relationship with, and uh, she was talking about how everyone is panicked because they want to refinance and get the best rate now because it's going to save them two or three hundred dollars a month. Mm. Well, that, I mean, that's huge. You're going to save two hundred dollars a month for the next six years. That's twelve hundred dollars a year. Five. That's like six grand. Yeah, twelve grand. Yeah, that, that's nice. A little bit of extra cushion on your personal finances. Yeah, and so a huge part of the financial architecture is actually having more, is keeping of more, keeping keeping more tax tax strategies, where you know we're using RESP, RIF, RSP, or any of the big tax deferred or tax deferred type investments. So if we can get in there and, you know, make more money with what you already have or spend less, have less going out and improve your cash flow, and then we direct those handful of dollars to the meaningful pursuits you want, that's me, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Um, I, you know, sometimes it's, you know, 10 or $15 can make the, could be the difference between, you know, like if you, if you are $5 short for like six months, that adds up to know like a a stressor in your life and your relationships with your family with you know Mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out how to solve that if you're that close to zero and we can just find you five dollars that is really meaningful amount of money and i've done that for clients where it was about like threading the needle of like when it was a little more than five i think it was about fifty dollars where we could kind of get their budget back in shape where they were actually spending within their means yeah, so that actually is a nice little segue for my next question I lined up for you, Miles. With all the different types of knowledge and all the different types of people that are out there, and you know this passion that you've shown for encouraging people to use services like yours to find those little bits of money and put them to work better. Um, even if it's even if it's not you. Like you don't care if people come to you. You just want people to make sure that they're getting all the information that they can and finding a, an advisor to assist them. But to recognize all these toolboxes and using the tools of a financial advisor, uh, which yourself, you said, the statistics on it are pretty limited. Not very many people are actually using advisors, even if they have them. So my question for you, Miles, what makes you the guy that they should come see. Toot your own horn. That's a, oh, that's a, that's a great question. Well, we offer, and most financial advisors, but we offer a really comprehensive sort of second look. In we call we, we call it second look insurance audit you know, or inventory of what you have. Um, we'll tell you like okay, like so your financial advisor um, put all this stuff in place. You know, you've got pack this from the bank and. You know, you maybe have something from insurance when you maybe you've got some stuff from group and we try, I'm, I'm just going to sit there and quarterback it and be like, Hey, well, if these two were doing the same thing, they should be in the same place. And then I'm going to ask them, and I ask them a lot of tough questions. Like I don't want people to think that, that this is going to be, Oh yeah, we're just going to be hugs and roses. Cause sometimes it'll be, why are we doing this? And if you can explain to me why we're doing it, great. If you're like, well, cause someone else said we needed it. Then it's like, okay, well, let's talk to that person and let's see why they think you needed it. Because maybe when they, you know, 10 years ago when they put this stuff together, it's like, oh, well, we had kids that were 
10 years old and we need to have life insurance until they were into college. And then we don't really need as much in the mortgage. So maybe there's an opportunity to <clears throat> take that, uh, that capital and repurpose it, you know, keep keeping that financial plan that you may have, you may, like you may have started earlier and that you need to update. So the biggest thing is, is right now, I would say that every single person who has a financial advisor should contact the advisor they have. And if they want a second opinion, contact me. We'll take a look at it. I'll give you a sec. I'll give you a second second opinion. We can probably do it over a phone call, uh, a couple of emails, and I can and I can ask you questions. And if you can, if you and your and I don't want to say if you and your advisor can defend it, but if if everything in your plan makes sense, you'll feel a lot more confident. Where somebody like me or Adrian or someone who is sort of independent of your current situation just takes a fresh set of eyes because. Um, I have more than one accountant for this reason. Every three years, I take my taxes to a second accountant. They look at it. And if they see something like, oh, well, you could have claimed this differently or a deduction. And the every three-year accountant is more expensive than the every-year accountant. Mm-hmm. If they see something, and we go in and we can amend those three tax returns. And I can go and get more money back from the government. Yeah. Because I believe in second opinions. I'm not always right. In fact, I, I don't want to say I'm rarely right, but in financial services, there are so many unknowns. Like, what is the market going to do? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be back to work next week? If I could jump into that, Kevin, I, I'd like to By all means. The question that I think, if I could paraphrase your question, I think you said, you know, why, why us? Why Platinum Trees? Why Miles? What, what do we have to offer? that makes us unique. And one of the value propositions that we love to uh, challenge ourselves with, because we, we're kind of nerdy this way, we get excited about it, is we want to engineer ourselves out of your life, which is not typically how most, certainly insurance people would ever look at a relationship with us. From our perspective, is to sit down with that individual or that couple uh, or that family and say, what are the insurance needs you're going to have today uh, in this stage of your life? We'll call it you know, raising kids. What are the insurance needs you're going to have in that empty nester phase? And what are the insurance needs you're going to have in your retirement, your golden or not so golden years? What, what are they? Now, we know because of the cost curve of insurance, if we put things in place now, uh, we can produce a much greater value if we structure it so that uh, by design, products are falling off of the portfolio rather than being added to the portfolio, we can save that client a whole lot of money. Notwithstanding the fact when it comes to insurance, there's this little detail around insurability, which I, I, I say that sarcastically, isn't a little detail. There's no guarantee that when you're in your 50s or 60s and you discovered you need a couple hundred thousand dollars of life insurance for an important need that you had in mind, there's no assurance that you're going to be able to qualify for that. So the biggest thing that we see, and we're very proud of this, is being able to say to the client two things. We want to empower, uh, educate you so that we empower you to make great decisions for you, whatever those are, and then engineer ourselves out of your life so that an advisor like Miles comes in down the road 
maybe five years, looks at the portfolio of risk management and says, you know what, there's not a lot I can add here. You've got, you've got all the stages of that covered. Um, and where that comes from is having worked in a high network space for a really long time, uh, I saw that there was this reality of people buy uh, risk management for a singular purpose in a moment in time. I bought a house, I need some mortgage insurance. I have children, I need some mortgage insurance. Or sorry, I need some life insurance. The reality is, if you forecast a little forward, you can quickly see that, and you'll consistently see that there's a life cycle to insurance. And so if we can put it in place now, so that rather than buying insurance, you're actually knocking off products because you just don't need them, they've served their purpose and you, need them, you don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a far more brilliant strategy in our minds. And that, we get excited about that because we think we're rather unique in that regard. It definitely sounds like it makes a lot more sense just from this conversation with him. Yeah. The other side of that is, and Adrian's got it right, is that there are a lot of times when you're sitting from the client and they've got, you know, a, a budget. And that, that's, that's a huge thing for us is that it's, you know, the client has to have the wheel, has to have their hands on the wheel, how much they want to commit. And if they say, all right, and I'm just using a number. Um, so there's, for four person family, they say that we've got about two hundred dollars a month we can put to, you know, put to work to solve all of these, you know, all these things. It's like okay, as the insurance products come off, then that money starts get. We don't we 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 will start redirect that money to investments into you know maybe insurance play and wealth creation. So when you have the highest need early on, as that as though that monthly premium that you're paying or whatever contribution you're doing, um. Which, you, which should increase over time, but as that, that changes, we make sure that it's going into a similar product or to meet, uh, sorry, a different product to meet your needs, not a similar, a different product. And then the other side of that is like, I am huge on the age of understanding of when you should teach your kids about wealth. And I mentioned it earlier, and I like genuinely, I don't know what the youngest age where you should be start teaching kids about wealth is, but I definitely think it's young. Well, maybe when they're teenagers. We uh, we kind of broke it down to our kids here with the, the fact that they're home now, um, full time, and we're like, you know, they were asking for this, they're asking for that, and we're like, well, how about this? How about let's sit down and we dug out uh, toy coins that they happen to have. And we ran through a daily activity. Let's let's just break it down to you guys how it works. And we went through, basically, if they wanted to do anything, they had to give us a coin. And if they wanted to uh, have a coin, they had to do something for us. Um, after about five or six minutes of doing that, my son looks at us and goes, I don't have enough coins. And we're like, yes. And actually, you still need to do two more activities to get caught up for how many coins you spent because we've lent you coins that you don't actually have. And he's like, well, this is way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. And he's seven. And we just did a very basic exchange. So I agree with you there that we need to be talking to kids at a young age. And it should be kind of a focus because whether you like it or not, money and wealth is what makes the world go round. If you don't understand the basic concept of the thing you're dealing with on an almost daily basis... It's kind of hard to get around it. Yeah. Well, and you got it sort of there with, thanks for pointing out the wealth part, is that because wealth is what you've done with all of those accumulated coins. 
like to kind of close out that one of those early points is that, you know, you go to work, you convert your time to money, you take that money and you provide the necessities to your family and some of the, you know, luxuries to your family. And we got to find a way to make sure that the, that conversion is efficient. Because if you're going to work and driving and, you know, buying lunch everywhere and doing all these things, you, you can end up in a situation where at the end of a pay period, at the end of the year, you didn't really increase your wealth. And the only real way is to start taking shortcuts. Like you want to take as many shortcuts as possible. And financial advisors, you know, it, as strange as it sounds, we work for functionally, we work for free. We never say, Hey, you know, you got to write me a check for the work I've done. It's we put together a plan and we get sort of compensated for some of the pieces we put in there. But if I do debt consolidation work with a client, I don't get paid for that. If I do some cash flow, I don't get paid for that when I'm developing the plan. That's me, you know, making sure the client is in a very financially stable and healthy and growing position so that they can meet their long-term goals, goals, regardless of what my outcome needs to be. Because I have a wealth structure where I am not focused on, okay, I need to sell something today. I have this, I want to empower others with my knowledge and my wisdom. And I'm going to say I have a time machine because I ask a lot of clients the same question. You know, if I can give you one piece of advice from you at 55 years old to a 50 year old version of you, what would that be? And they'll tell me something. Oh, I wish I would have. I mean, it's always, it's always kind of like, Oh, I wish I would have bought Apple stock or some, you know, some particular item that they, that they know. Oh, I wish I would have known more about this. And then I ask them again, I'm like, no, like that's a piece of financial wisdom that you have gained in that time. So whether it's, you know what, I wish I would have, spent more time with my grandkids or I wish I would have spent more time doing whatever object is. And I ask that at closing a lot of meetings with a lot of clients. So when I sit in front of a 35 year old who, you know, and I'm trying to give them that piece of advice, I try to give them that, that piece of advice the 40 year old gave them. And if I am sitting with a 50 year old, I'm not giving the piece of advice to a 60 or 70 year old. So I'm only trying to try to shorten that, that break for five, for about that five-year period where they can kind of see it, but they don't know about it. So I see myself as a person that facilitates that transfer of wisdom from one family to another where they don't know each other. And then the other thing is, like, I could literally go into someone's house with, with a 10-year-old kid and be like, here's how you're going to manage your money for the rest of your life. We, you know, financially coach them with the easiest and shortcut ways, and it would work. Like, they would be like, okay, I want to do this, even if they maybe don't understand what they're doing today and be like, that has this really desired outcome, but I'm not going to get any commitment from them. They just, you know, haven't had enough life experience. Um, you know, people in their seventies, a lot of their friends have passed and they've seen friends, family members, kids get sick or lose their job or break a leg and be off work for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And a funny story, my dad, when he, before I was born, broke his leg at eight weeks off work. And you know what he did with that time? He made a Christmas present, which was a dishwasher box full of popcorn with a t-shirt hidden in it. And then gave it to my uncle at Christmas because he had nothing but time to pop popcorn. <laughs> so he did something productive. Yeah. But that's I like that story. Um so Miles, I have to say, obviously with having uh some experts in the room, and you did kind of touch on this a little bit earlier, but what do you think the future is gonna be looking like here over the next year or so? Oh, so the next year is going to be tough given the economy is completely flatlined 
And I always love to talk to my clients and educate my clients how the economy and the stock market are not connected. And one of the things that we're witnessing right now is that is to see how far those things are apart. I think that, you know, there are some jobs and businesses that are not going to come back online. And I think that that's probably apparent to a lot of people because they don't have income. The government's trying to give them money, but they can only do that for so long. We're going to need some real steps in terms of the, uh, and I don't want to say the government, but private industry. I'm going to use, you know, some of the biotech businesses that are working on testing, treatment, quarantine, mask, any of that stuff. Those guys are starting to ramp up production. So that's like the first sort of wheel that we need to get moving is moving production from overseas back to domestically so we can control, control the supply chain. Um, beyond that, that's sort of my one year sort of how and that, that can, there's tomorrow someone could come out and say we've got a vaccine or a treatment that is totally ready today that FDA approved and we can, and that, that's like we get shortened up and we can be back at working in 30 days. But beyond that, there's actually something that one of the reasons why I asked Adrian to join me on the call was to talk about the future of financial services from the perspective of the client, the regulators, the government. Because in my opinion, is if people our age between, you know, well, 20 to 35 aren't accessing financial services now and figuring out how to get that ball rolling, that in the future, it may become more of a luxury good or an option, but realistically it's a necessity. And there's not much the government can do to change regulations, to force advisors to go and work with people who are at the start of their financial journey. It's the only people that are going to be in that space doing it are people that want to be there. The people that have a passion for helping out the people who are at the start to get them. Because in my financial journey, I know I'm going to have to bring on a lot of clients and you know, we're going to have to work through all of that. And I'm only going to get rich, and I don't want to say get rich, but I'm only get, going to get rewarded with wealth if I create wealth for others. They like the work I did, and they tell others. Because I want to spend my time helping people. I don't want to spend my time trying to find people to help. And if you have a good financial advisor, tell everybody, even if it's not me. or Because, I mean, you're in white court, it's, you know, more than an hour of drive, I would, I would gladly come out and help you. But if a local person, so when you need to do something, it's just a little thing, they're there for you. Like if it's a family friend, I mean, ask people, mm-hmm. anyone who's listening to this, is ask your parents who they use. Because guess what? If your parents trust them and you go talk to them, yes, there are some privacy laws and some issues in between. But if, you, if your financial advisor knows you're someone's kid and they know kind of what the plan is there, they can help build your plan either to mirror that or shadow that or it's like, okay, well, I know these clients are leaving a trust for the grandkids. So then they can help leverage what they already know, but without talking about it and sort of say, well, you know, this and that, like and build, help build a, help build a more holistic plan because they're using multi-generational knowledge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, that's, that, that is something I've... I got, sorry, you got one last thing I want to add on that. Oh, no. Um, okay. And we got to probably call this. But is one thing I said to my parents last year, and they were not happy about, but they realized I was right. And I said, I don't want to hear your guys' directives or wills or execs or any of that stuff for the first time from your lawyer. Like, talk to me about why you're making these decisions. 
you know, being really upfront about some of these things, because we all know we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And, ha- and I mean, there is a, my parents are in their 60s. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I'm waiting probably a decade for that conversation. I'm just like, you know, I'm ready for it. I don't want them to think that, you know, they have to pretend I deal with this all day, every day. I'm like, I, I'm not going to tell them what to do. I just want to understand it. And that's a fair question that people should be asking. I know um, for myself, it's uh, pretty straightforward. Um, as long as my parents still like me, I'm good to go because I'm an only child. <laughs> it also means that I'm looking after everything when they do go. And I'll, you know, another thing to be talking with people, whether it's talking to your own spouse even, is not just about making sure that you have all these things, all your ducks in a row, your wills and your planning and such, but making sure that everybody's on the same page about it, as you said, and that it's updated. That's a, it's a living document. You don't want to forget about it as things change. You know, I need to update my will. I've needed to update it since my youngest was born. He's not on there. Not even mentioned in there because he wasn't born yet. You know, my parents updated theirs when my dad got sick. But you shouldn't wait till you have to do it. It should be something that you're consistently looking at doing, setting dates to remind yourself to keep it up to date. That's uh, one of the things I've learned over the years. Yeah, and a part of that, I mean, because you're talking about all these things have to come together. Um, I think I, a friend of mine who's in his 30s, and he's in real estate, he actually recently bought his, him and his wife bought their plots where they're going to be buried. And right now, he, he made a joke to me because he was in the industry. He's like, do you know how many steps there are between when you ex- expire in your bed and when they put you in the ground and all of your assets are dissolved? He's like, there's 100 steps or, or 95 or whatever there is because the executive has to sign this. And there's so many complexities there. People don't realize how many pe- moving pieces there are. And having a will, having, you know, the resources in order to resolve that available so that, okay, I, I got to hire a lawyer. I don't have to borrow my own money. I can use someone else's money. I can use, you know, this, this decedent to piece this all together. It helps eliminate and shorten a lot of those steps. And I know that it's a tough, grim conversation, but it's, you know, if we plan for it today we, and we hope it never happens and we just keep it on, on board, it's like, okay, we just... Update the will every five years or anytime something major changes. And then you go to a lawyer and they just amend it and it's and it's good and you're done you to go again. So Alrighty. Well, Miles, as you did note, we are running fairly long here, so I'm gonna move on to the my uh, my favorite part of this because I get to hear my daughter's voice. Question of the week. And that is the question of the week. As with every episode, folks. I look forward to hearing your feedback, so please rate the show on your favorite podcast app, leave a review there, give it a thumbs up on YouTube, give it a thumbs down if you don't like me. But that's okay. I, I'm a big boy, I can take it. Leave comment under the bridge where all the trolls live in the YouTube comment section. And, uh, Miles, I was hoping that maybe you might have a conversation starting question for us this week. Ooh, a conversation? Do you want it about money or not money? Uh, yeah. Free ball it would. That one. You can literally right, ask yeah. any question. All right. Um, all right, here's one. What is your first memories of learning the value of money? 
That is a good question. Yeah. You know me. I, I, I never, I never go. I always, you know, I always have those deep and well thought out questions, even when they're off the cuff. So I do have something else that I would like to, uh, it was in the, in the last email was we are having a giveaway right now on our website. Mm-hmm. Go to platinumtree.ca and sign up for our newsletter. And we are giving away some gift cards at the end of April. Anyone who enters between now and April will be eligible for the April draw. We have another one in May and June. And then we have a grand prize draw probably in the summer after the, um, we have more information on what's going on with the current economic situation of what maybe the prize and the value of that prize will be. But yeah, anyone who signs up is, enter- is eligible to enter all of those, including yourself. So yeah, and we, awesome. we're going to try to probably have a weekly communication on that about you know little tips and tricks and try to help people stay in front of some of this. Yeah, and so. uh, thanks for having us on the show today. Um, yeah, not a problem, Miles. So again, folks, that's platinumtreefinancial.ca. There's a sign-up for a giveaway. There's a newsletter. And they're going to be giving away some different prizes throughout the next couple of months. And then, Miles, you have a Facebook page as well that people can find you at? Yep. Uh, we've got a few of those. I don't have the links handy. I probably should have had them. However, I will have you, those in the show notes for you. That's not a problem. And and all that stuff's on our website. Awesome. I kind of, we put it so there's one place for all those links to uh, exist. There's lots of great information on there right now. I think we've got articles for everyone from business owner. Like, like I don't want to plug the website. It's got so much valuable information. And we're launching all kinds of stuff there now. So, and if anyone wants to book a call with us, there's a, there is a booking link on there. Um, phone numbers, contact information. So, Awesome. So that's how you guys can get in touch with Miles. If you'd like to continue this conversation with him on a one-on-one basis. And as always guys, you can follow the show here with the, uh, dad's class Twitter account over at facebook.com slash dad's class. You can email me at crownso at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch with that same username. If you found today's episode informative at all, guys, share it with your friends. See what they have to say about it. Until next class, be sure to review these suggested lessons over here and educate yourselves with another dad's class. Thanks for listening, guys.